there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. The following is a presentation of the Eastern Michigan Sports Network. Smith for the feet. He's to the 10. The 5. Touchdown! Evans up the middle to the five into the end zone. Touchdown, Eastern Michigan. Straight from the 734, it's the Blue Cross Blue Shield Eastern Insider Podcast. Presented by the Foling Warehouse. Your weekly chance to get in on the action. Now, let's send it to the guys on the inside of it all. Greg Steiner and Tom Helmer. What an exciting weekend, Tom. You see Eastern Michigan football find a way to win in the last closing seconds against UMass. Smith back to pass. He's flushed out of the pocket to his right side. Looking downfield. He goes deep down the right side. Caught inside the 10. Touchdown, Eastern Michigan. Hobsey El-Zayat with a 50-yard touchdown reception. And the Eagles are on top with a minute 20 to play. Davis, shotgun formation, 101 on the clock. Davis, oh, great, back in the pocket. Pressure. Steps up, he's in trouble, he's going to dump it off. Lynch Adams over the 25, tackled at the 27. It won't be enough. It'll be Eastern Michigan football with 53 seconds to play, and now they can take a knee. Yeah, when UMass scores the touchdown to take the lead late in the game, you certainly have that feeling like, uh-oh, you know? Because offensively, you hadn't done a ton that game. And then when Austin Smith hits El Zayat on the 50-yard touchdown catch, you're like, oh, here we go. How on earth does he get that wide open? That's, that's a great question. And it was a great job. I mean, it wasn't like Austin was sitting in the pocket. He had to roll right. out and hit him on the run. And there he is wide open. He makes one move, loops around to the inside. Gets himself into the end zone. Then there's a little bit of a heart attack when you lose the extra point streak. Jesus Gomez oh. hits the upright on that one. So that ends 117 consecutive extra points. So now you're like, okay, all they got to do is get in field goal range here. But once again, the defense comes up huge. Story of the day, the defense, four takeaways. Most EMU has had since 2019. They did it twice that year. They opened with Coastal Carolina, had four turnovers. Then later in the year, 
the big blowout of NIU in DeKalb for turnovers. Maybe, I mean, 2019 was a darn special year. And that NIU game is when they clinched bowl eligibility, so they knew they were going bowling after that NIU game. It was a great year. They started the year at Coastal Carolina that year. Uh, that's the same year they beat Illinois. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a great trend. I mean, this defense is very good at taking the ball away. And when I talked to Ben Needham a few weeks ago, he's like, this, this team's going to be good at going after the football. Justin Jefferson has two fumble recoveries. Could have had five turnovers yep. if Cameron Smith could have held onto the ball when he hit the ground. I, looking at it live, it looked like he had it. And then it came loose as he hit the it's ground. It's this whole continuation again. Like, when do you – we've got to start being able to know when somebody has possession. Not the, to me, the ground can't cause a fumble. I understand where you're coming from on that. I, it's funny because I had dinner with my brother last night. We were having the same discussions around the Lions game. And yep. he's like, oh, you know, it was holding on Hutchinson late in the game there. I go, okay. But also, there was the call against Seattle – for intentional grounding. Yeah, and he goes, well, he threw it away. I go, to me, it looked like the receiver broke off the route and Gino just throws it deep down the right. There was a miscommunication. I don't think that's the intent of the rule. And he goes, well, then he started going down this whole rules rabbit hole about, you know, sometimes the receiver's toe is just touching the, the boundary, yet they call him out. I go, well, now where are we going? Like, how much boundary do you want to give the guy on a catch? So I understand it, it took a long time to determine what's a catch. Right. I feel like I have a pretty good grasp on it now, but there are plays where... The Cameron play, you're like, he caught the ball. He caught the ball. It got jarred loose by the ground. but Plus, it's a much better way for you to close the game with your call so on, much on WEMU yeah. than the, the, oh, okay, three kneel doubts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we stopped him on fourth down. Yeah, the interception was uh, was a big play, and it's always nice when you can identify a guy quickly on an INT, but I was talking to – as I call him, Heisman candidate, Bennett Walker. Yeah. Uh, three interceptions, tied for number one in the nation right now. But this kid came it, out of nowhere. We, we were talking about him being a guy high on the depth chart. And now he's like, the if you're quarterback this week, watch out. Yeah. And he's one of those guys that just appears to be an amazing athlete. He's in high school. He's playing basketball. And then J.T. O'Sullivan who played at UC Davis, played in the NFL as a quarterback, is like, you know what? You should be a football player. He's like, yeah, I'll think about it. And then, like, not even the start of his junior year. Like, they're into his junior year, and he's like, all right, I'll try it. So he plays, and then the next year's COVID, and then he's like, I kind of like this. I'm going to go to a junior college and keep trying. Now we hear he's playing Division I football. He's tied for the lead in the nation in interception, and it's a guy that just a couple years ago was like, ah, oh, give it a shot, you know. Well, it, it just shows persistence, having a positive attitude, payoff. Same could be said for the guy in Justin Jefferson, who has played at linebacker, but was really an undersized kid when he came in out of high school, played D-line, got shifted linebacker role. Now he's back playing D-line for Ben Needham and just crushing it. And has a tremendous nose for the football. He's yep. got two fumble recoveries already this season. And when that ball's on the ground, I mean, see ball, get ball. That's Justin Jefferson. Yep. So it's nice because they've been banged up on the defensive lines. When you have him and Micah Coleman and, and some of these other guys step up and play strong, it makes a huge difference. I love this defense. I, the, the defense is going to carry this team, I think, all season. It'll be great when the offense yep. starts clicking, and it will. But the defense 
It's one of the better defenses I've seen here at Eastern Michigan. Certainly a great uh, defensive effort. We'll have plenty of football talk with Coach Creighton as he'll join us later in the show. We talk about uh, the defensive effort as well as why special teams are so important as both EMU collecting the defensive player week as well as the special teams player of the week. But then we end with the conversation of heading down south. It'll be the third time Eastern Michigan's played a game in the state of Alabama Twice it's ended in heartbreak. Can they change the, the narrative on that? Plus, it's Rich Rodriguez. We always know he got something dialed up his sleeve. The two times before bowl games, right? Correct. Yep. The, the walk-off loss to, to uh, Georgia Southern in the Camellia Bowl in 2018. And then the uh, Lending Tree Bowl yeah. in Mobile with Liberty in 2021. We'll, we'll put... Uh, that one out of our, our mind. Clearly. Yeah, that one did, that didn't go well. And what you're up against here is, first of all, a lot of people are like, where's Jacksonville? Like, I thought that was Florida. Jacksonville, Alabama is like equidistance between Birmingham and Atlanta. Yep. It's on the eastern side out there in the middle of nowhere. They've had a bye, so they've had time to sit on it. They also just they made that transition to FCS to FBS. They were averaging 18,000 people last year in a 20,000-seat stadium. So you know it's going to be loud. They're going to be on top of you. They're up against a lot this week. You win this game, that's a huge win. And it's homecoming. But on the positive side, weather says only 81, low 80s. <sighs> only 81. There uh, might be some humidity. 60% humidity. Okay. So, uh, All right. It, it, we won't be wearing our clothes just dripping in sweat like we were in Louisiana last year. Yeah, that was hot. Or Wisconsin the pre year before that. That, my belt melted to my shorts at Wisconsin. Yeah, I can say that one might should be in the EMU Hall of Fame somewhere. It just welded to Tom's clothes. <laughs> and then uh, he basically, we got on the plane and it was like, yeah, this is, it's ruined. I got home. I tried to take my belt off and it was, it was melted to my shorts. There's just no air conditioning. It wasn't that it was extremely hot. There was no air moving and you're just low key sweating for three hours. Hot take here. Camp Randall uh, might be a great place for people to be in the stands, not a great place for broadcasters to work. And I, I, I'm not trying to out you, but I think you were a little nervous during the jump around. The press box sways, and I think that made you nervous. Yeah, for a person that doesn't like heights either, uh, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't want to find myself on ground level because the sucker collapsed. So yeah. uh, maybe next time we go back there, they find some rebar. <laughs> the engineers have tested it. They said even though that place was built a long time ago, it's not going to fall down. You're like, whatever. You never say never. <laughs> I don't think the press box will be swaying this ne week, but uh, it's going to be a great game nonetheless. It'll be a great game. You can catch uh, Tom, Rob, and I on 89.1 WEMU. It will be a 4 o'clock Central Time start, 5 o'clock Eastern, which means we'll be on the air at 4.50. So hope you tune in for that. Uh, our other special guest this week, and the person you'll hear right after us, uh, is... EMU volleyball coach, Kevin Fullman, but much like you talked, Bennett Walker, not the straight route to where he's gone. You look at Kevin Fullman, he had to take some twists and turns to figure out what he wanted to do. Could have been a crazier route. Really, volleyball wasn't his thing. Initially, he was a pitcher, ended up in the minor leagues, drafted by the Giants, uh, bounced around for a while in the minors, really did what any of us would do. I'm going to play as long as I can because yeah. I enjoy the sport. And then when they tell me, hey, you're not going anywhere, kid, I'll move on. So pitch for six years in the minors, and then uh, you, you'll hear in the interview, ends up in the world of volleyball, 
Um, his wife was a tremendous volleyball player at Maryland, two-time captain, played professionally in Puerto Rico. And it's funny because he's, he's having some sleepless nights right now because he really wants to get this program turned around. He was hired back in March. Uh, some of it is turning a program around. The other part of it is they have three very young kids. So any sleep he wasn't going to get because of the kids, the volleyball team's not helping. But he's, he's going to get this program turned around. It is job number one for him. Yeah, he's coached previously at Ashland most recently and Lake Erie before that. No stranger to the Midwest was at Hillsdale as an assistant coach as well. Volleyball, you think it's not a sport that you get bumps and bruises a ton, but you look at it, I mean, they are just, I don't know how their forearms just aren't just cratered with how that ball hits them. I asked Callie Minshew the same question. Like, does it ever get, do your arms eventually get enough scar tissue that it doesn't hurt? She's like, no, it hurts every time. I'm like, you need a softer ball or something. Yeah. Volleyball's hurt. Volleyball's hurt. It's, it's, and plus you're digging, you're diving on hardwood floors all the time trying to get the ball up in the air and that type of stuff. It's tough on the body. Your wife, Mindy, was a volleyball player, right? She played uh, high school volleyball. She played junior Olympic volleyball for Team USA. They played over in Europe. Um, she knows a thing or two about yeah, volleyball. She, she's yeah, she's, I guess she was decent, I guess. Yeah, I guess she's all right. Yeah, I guess kids get some of the athletic ability from her. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, who has the more athletic ability in the family, you or Mindy? Oh, her 100 times over. Plus, she pitched in softball and threw like seven no-hitters in high school. So she was just one of those. Plus, I, I golfed. Last time I golfed with her, she parred the first hole. And she hadn't golfed in years. I go, ah, I'm done. I, I'm, not, I'm not playing against you in anything anymore. She's just naturally good at everything, and I find that annoying. But she can't put a radio chart together. You mean for like play by play? Yeah. Oh yeah, no. Yeah. No. So I got her beat in that. You got to beat her in that. Yeah. She's never going to beat me in play by play. No, she's never going to beat me in play by play. You will beat her a chance for as uh, the previous host of this show used to do. Alex and I would converse about our trips this weekend, the Deep South barbecue. What are we looking forward to this weekend in in Jacksonville? Definitely barbecue. Now you have been blessed to be down there a couple times and scout the region. We've scouted a little bit. I mean, so, we're staying in Birmingham. Birmingham has a lot of great places. By the UAB campus alone has been revitalized. But, uh, I mean, when you're in Alabama, how can you not go dreamland? We're, we're going to do it. We're okay. going to do the barbecue. I mean, if it's top-notch barbecue, then you, you got to go after We kind of— I'm always pro-barbecue. We should have known better than to go to an Irish pub in Minneapolis. So we're going to recoup for this one. Yeah, we 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 dropped the ball food wise. I made up for it the next morning at a place called the Hen House, which had a great breakfast, huge cinnamon rolls. So I feel like I was one for one in Minnesota. But I, I'd love it if we hit the ground running in Birmingham and have a huge barbecue dinner there. If you uh, want a place to chime in, let us know. Tweet at us here on the show. Tom and I would love to hear your recommendations. and Maybe we'll even send you an EMU uh, prize pack as well. Oh, uh, yeah. As a part Listen, of you, you steer us right on food. We're sending you something. Well, uh, we need to get going. We got, we've talked plenty of, on this show already, but you'll hear plenty more. Tom has Kevin Fullman after the break, and then I'll come back and get you your weekly review with Chris Creighton. You're listening to the Blue Cross Blue Shield Eastern Insider Podcast presented by the Folding Warehouse. Are you ready? Ready to find the right care that works for you? Care that connects you to what you need anytime, anywhere, and fits best with your lifestyle? Whether it's in person or in your pajamas, online or over the phone, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan connects you to the care you need when you need it most. With the largest network of doctors and hospitals, an easy-to-use mobile app, and a 24-hour nurse line, 
because we're always ready to help. Learn more about Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan at bcbsm.com. It's here. Bowling Warehouse. And sports will never be the same. Bowling combines the best of bowling and football. But you don't have to be good at either to have a great time at the Foling Warehouse. Ipsy Ann Arbor's newest place to play is now open. 20 lanes, two bars, over 100 beers. The Foling Warehouse at the corner of Washtenaw Golfside in Ypsilanti, where everyone comes to play. There's only one place in the state of Michigan that takes you straight inside the locker room. And that's the Eastern Insider Podcast. Your chance to get in on the action, bringing you more coverage than any other program in the mitten. All right, joining me now, Kevin Foman, head coach, women's volleyball, hired not long ago, March of 2023. Welcome to EMU, first of all. Thank you. We're loving it. You're loving it? Absolutely. (laughs) Love the area. Love the kids, love the people I work with. It's awesome. All right, first of all, let's dive a little bit into uh, your history. Your background really was in baseball, and you played minor league baseball for a while. I did. I did. It was a wonderful time, the best time of my life. It, it, you know, a lot of things I learned shaped me to do this job right now. I mean, just the lessons. There's a lot of similarities between, you know, just sports, just like the mindset. Um, I think I've taken a lot of what I learned as a pitcher, even coaching baseball, to be able to, you know, have success with coaching volleyball. Now, how do you get from pitcher to coaching volleyball? You're a tall guy. I am. How tall are you? Well, I was 6'6", now I'm like 6'5", now. Now that I'm in my 40s, almost in my 40s. Is the shrinking has started? It's shrinking, yep, yep, the, the spine. But uh, honestly, it was, it was a funny story. Uh, one of my buddies from college just kind of got me into playing outdoor volleyball. Um, and I, got, I just became obsessed with it. And I was still playing baseball at the time, but I found myself just wanting to play volleyball, watch volleyball, be involved with volleyball more that I just kind of took a took a leap of faith and got into the sport and then, you know, found a way to get to where I'm at now. So that passion kind of started after baseball. You're like, all right, it was I, I towards the some- end of my, I didn't have a great career. I was just in there because I loved the game, found a way to play, keep playing, get paid a little bit of money for it. But I just loved it. I would have kept playing forever. But uh, at some point I had to kind of buckle down and figure out my path. And um, I knew it was in coaching. I just didn't know what sport. I, I coached a little bit of basketball. I coached baseball, but I got into this whole volleyball thing and I loved it. Loved every aspect of it, loved every part of it, and thought that I could uh, really enjoy my life with that. So I, I took a chance. I got into it, believed in myself as a coach, and kind of just grinded from there. All right, we're going to get into the volleyball, but first, I, I wanted you, I love minor league nicknames, and I want you to rank them like a one to 10. 10, you love the nickname, maybe you didn't. You started in the Arizona League with the Giants. Yes. That's a good nickname. I mean, it's hard to rate major league nicknames, so we'll skip that one. But the Washington Wild Things. Great nickname. Great nickname. And they had a uh, their mascot do this crazy dance with Sandstorm on top of a uh, on the dugout. Phenomenal scene. I mean, it was like a fifth or sixth inning, but it was a great scene. Brockton Rocks. But it's ROX. ROX. Yep. Uh, great facility. But that was a gr- I had some great nicknames of teams I played for. Well, they, they're not affiliated with the Rockies, are they? The Rocks? Nope. nope the Rocks. Yep. What is a Rocks? I, think it, I don't. I think it was something to do with a boxer. I think there's a pretty well-known boxer from Brockton. Okay. But I can't remember who it was. We'll have to we'll have to yep. research that a little bit. The McKinney Blue Thunder. <laughs> that wasn't the best. <laughs> I'm not even sure what Blue Thunder is, but uh, that was in a great area, but not the best. Wichita Wingnuts. Probably the best. That is a great name. Probably the best. Great mascot. Great hat. I still have that hat. Probably the best nickname of. And then the Texarkana Gunslingers. I mean that. This is perfect for Texas and where we were. It seemed like they, I picture like Yosemite Sam. Exactly what it was. Is that exactly what it was? There was a rap for for a song for that team that played. It was funny. 
but uh, I would say the wing nuts were the best, was the best uh, mascot. Now, your wife, Remy. Yes. She's on the staff. Yes. Now, volleyball, I get for her. Two-time captain at Maryland, mm-hmm. played pro ball in Puerto Rico, mm-hmm. uh, coached an assistant with you at Hillsdale, Lake Erie, Ashland. She's the director of ops here. How did you meet her? We coached against each other. Really? Yeah, so she, I wasn't coaching it in Maryland. She was coaching in D.C. We competed against each other, and I got the nerve to talk to her and was able to convince her to go on a date with me. So, But, yeah, she's the real deal. She uh, played Puerto Rican national team as well. She's still fifth all-time at Maryland in assists, even though she ran a 6-2. Um, she can still ball out. She's unbelievable. She's 6-2? She is 6-2. Okay. Yeah. But she ran a 6-2, like an offense. So she hit and set at Maryland. So for people who are listening to this and they're learning about volleyball as as this program enters a new era, what's a 6-2? A 6-2 is when you have two setters always set from the back row. So as opposed to one setter set all the way around in all six rotations, a 6-2 will have a setter set for three rotations. And then when they go to the front row, you'll substitute them out, put a hitter in, and then substitute another setter in to play back row. So in her situation, she, she set set when she was in the back row. And then when she came to the front row, she hit for two of those years. It's pretty unique, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you find that every now and then. Um, we don't necessarily always run a 6-2 in terms of having two setters and six attackers, but it just kind of depends on what... Uh, the makeup of the team is. As you move forward to this program, and it's a program that hasn't had a winning season since 2018, it mm-hmm. takes a little while to turn that boat around. As you're, as you're coaching this year, is it more, there's two different ways to go about it. You can say, all right, athletes, this is the system I want to fit you into. Or you can say, all right, these are the athletes I have. We're going to create this system that plays to your skills. Which way do you tend to lean? The second part. Okay. I think that we have a system, but I think that we can adapt to who we have with ultimately finding the athletes who are going to fit more into our DNA, which is going to be more defensive related, more go um, athletes who just fly all over the gym. But we have to be able to kind of adapt with what we have because we were what we have is what we have. So um, <clears throat> we have to find the right formula, but we, ha- we haven't been able we haven't been. This is what we do. You have to fit us or you're gone. So I think we've been trying to kind of combine both, but knowing that in the long run, we do kind of want to run what we're comfortable with, right? which is a little bit different than what we're doing now, but um, I think we're kind of getting there. It's always interesting when a new coach is hired, it's usually because things weren't going well with the last one or the other one retired. This team was five and 25 a year ago. Um, When you come in and you're trying, they always like to say, change the culture, right? you know, what really goes into getting a program turned around and getting the way you want it to go. And how long do you think that takes? Well, I've, uh, I've been lucky to have been at a couple different places and having to do this. And I think this is a unique situation. And I do not know how long, but it can't take too much longer because I need to be able to sleep at night. So I think that um, the biggest thing is believing in what we do as coaches and really pushing the team to understand what we're trying to get them to do. So I think that at some point this season, we're all going to click and we're going to figure out exactly what we've been trying to teach them. And I think we can kind of get that in the right direction. I think the culture is okay. I think the culture is fine. But I think that in terms of what we're looking for as a coaching staff, what we expect, all the small details that we are extremely big on that are the most important part for us. I think we have to get that down first. I think once we do, we're going to kind of break through a little bit and you're going to see us playing and how we envision, but we're not there yet. Talking with Kevin Fulman, the women's volleyball coach, how much sleep, how much sleep are you losing? Or do you wake up and be like, all right, listen, it's year one. Yeah. I, I can't do this to myself. Nope. Nope. Not at all. I think every single, every single match has been difficult. It's, it's, if I didn't, I don't think I'd be doing this. But every single time we lose a set or we lose a match, it's you're not sleeping. And plus, I got three young kids, too. That doesn't help. Right. But, um, right. But I think that it's uh, 
that's why we're going to be successful is because we're not just letting the losses just be like, oh, it's the first year. The losses are bothering us so much and right. we're going to keep working until we fix it, until we find a way to the right formula to start getting more wins and more wins and change the, the perception of what Eastern Michigan volleyball is. How old are the kids? Five, three and seven or eight months, something around that. Yeah, we had a You're kid. in the thick of it. You're thick in it. it. Yep. We've got a wonderful <laughs> wife. She's amazing. We've got my mom here to help as well. But yes, the thick of it, exactly. When you when you get a date night, how much of it is just general conversation about the kids and how much of it is it about volleyball? <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like when we go home, it's just all volleyball. And my wife has to be like, you need to shut it down. And so when she goes to bed, I'll just be watching film. But like it, it's we have to, it's hard to not bring work home because we're working all the time and I love my job. So it's like we want to talk about it all the time, but we have to be able to like on a date night talk about something else, talk about the Vikings or whatever we want to talk about. She's never like, you know what, I'll, uh, I'll have some more water. And here's what I think we should be doing on the back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, Kevin, I, we're excited to have you here at Eastern Michigan. And we know things uh, are, are going to be great. And you're going to get this thing turned around. Yes. And I know it's, it's stressful for you right now. But uh, I know everybody's happy to have you in Ypsilanti. We're glad you love it here. Yeah, I do love it here. And I, I do. I do know we're going to we're going to do some good things. Um, but yeah, we we love everything about it. We love the school. We want to make it a home for a while. So, but yeah, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. This episode of the Eastern Insider Podcast is brought to you by National Trails Bus. Safety, comfort, reliability. Come ride with us, as well as Trinity Health. Trinity Health is the preferred healthcare provider of EMU Athletics. Get top-tiered orthopedic and spine care to get you back in the game, as well as standard printing and design, the standard of excellence in design and print for small business. Eastern fans, it's time for your weekly dose of all the goings-on around EMU Athletics in just 60 seconds. Starting off the action on Monday, September 18th, women's golf's on the greens of the Brittany Kelly Cardinal Classic in Muncie. It's a day of precision and skill, and then they'll conclude the tournament on Tuesday, September 19th. Fast forward in the calendar to Thursday, the September 21st. Volleyball opens Mid-American Conference play on the road against Toledo in the Glass City. It's a 6 p.m. start. Meanwhile, women's soccer, they were also begin league play. That's at Central Michigan in Mount Pleasant, a 7 p.m. start. Volleyball action continues on Friday the 22nd as the team goes head-to-head with the Rockets once more for a 6 p.m. first serve. And then on Saturday, September 23rd, football hits the road to take on former Michigan head coach Rich Rodriguez, who's now at Jacksonville State down in Alabama. It's a 4 p.m. Central time first kick, and we'll have the action right here on WEMU 89.1, as well as ESPN+. Wrapping up the week on Sunday, September 24th, women's soccer's back at their home turf, facing off against Ball State at Cicluna Field. It's a 1 p.m. start there. Go up, pack the stands, and mark your calendars to get ready for a full week check out your favorite teams here in eastern michigan to find scores schedules or tickets visit emueagles.com you're listening to the blue cross blue shield eastern insider podcast presented by the folding warehouse the only show that brings you all things eastern all the time now let's get back to the action with greg steiner and tom helmer Took everything and every minute for Eastern Michigan to outlast UMass over the weekend, but they were able to do so and get a 19-17 victory at home. Seven straight now. Eastern has won in non-conference play at home, joined by head coach Chris Grayton. How, I know you've been doing this a long time, but when you still get in those final tense moments, you're down, team, how do you keep yourself in check to make sure you're not getting too high or too low? Yeah, there, there's so many things to 
that you have to be aware of and, and have to think about, you know? I mean, you've got to know the clock situation. You've got to know the timeout situation. You got to, you know, after their kickoff, you got to, where, where's the ball going to be? And you're talking about, you know, your two minute plan and what yep. you want to remind guys about, you know, um, on or outside the numbers, getting the ball out of bounds and telling them how many timeouts and things that have been good. And, and so you don't really, I don't know, you, I, I don't have yeah, time you, to sit there and think, oh my gosh, or yay, or right. just, uh, we drill that. And, and the guys brought it up last night. Um, we probably had one of our best two minute drills on our, on our Wednesday practice this last week, all, all year. Yep. But I'm going to talk about camp and then we do it, uh, you know, during a game week as well. So it was really good to, to see those, those guys, you know, pull that off. Story of the day, of course, defense and special teams worked together. Uh, Eastern Michigan, four defensive takeaways for the first time since 2019. Bennett Walker able to come up with a trio of picks. He's now tied for the nation's lead, or uh, two picks in that game. He's yeah. got tr a trio on the year. Uh, you look at his play and the defense as a whole, just 65 points through the first three games. I mean, that's figure it out and really a great continuation over from the end of last year. It starts with Coach Needham and, and the staff. Um, you know, they they know our guys, they believe in our guys and done a good job of systematically, you know, putting in um, our defense and teaching it. And they put a lot on our guys, um, you know, like we did last, the greater part of, of last year, we're definitely... Um, putting together, you know, plans that can look very different, you right. know, week week to week, um, and and our guys are are executing. I know he was a little bit disappointed or a lot disappointed in in our tackling. Our tackling is something that we have to sure up. It could be even like way better than it is if we were tackling well because. We're playing well in, in so many ways, um, but uh, we got to get guys on the ground, you know, the first time, and that, that's something that's going to be a point of emphasis. One of the plays that gets overlooked is special teams. You're able to get the pick deep in your own end zone. Offensively, though, at the four, not able to get out of move the sticks after that. But then Mitchell Tomasek able to flip the field. A 61-yard punt plus the block in the back, it really becomes a 71-yard punt. How much did that change momentum as well? Always said and always will that punt is the most important play in football um, with the amount of yardage that is at, is at stake. And unlike kind of a kickoff, I mean, punts can be blocked. They both can be returned. Yeah. And we have a um, another awesome uh, weapon in, in Mitchell. And, you know, it starts with Stephen Bird and then obviously the protection and the coverage. But, you know, uh, the guys know that, it's a big deal to be on the punt team. That's not an area where we're like, hey, we're going to give somebody a chance and see how they do. I mean, you've got to be a stud to be on the punt team. And that play in particular, like you said, it may not be shown at night on, on highlight clips or whatever, yeah. but absolutely was a game changer. I'd say the the kickoff after we scored, yep. um, too, we got a block in the back because we're just guys are running so hard and fast down there and put them again in a really backed up, you know, scenario when they had to at least get into field goal range. I know that's a, a special teams or something that you're a part of on uh, during practice, really working on. I, not everybody pays a tremendous amount of attention to it, but in this program, especially from Coach Nunez, now to Coach Kersner, it, and you being on there, what does that say about defense and special teams coming to play as, as a cohesive group? Yeah, they're, you know, we, we talk um, also a lot about complementary football and 
for those that haven't really thought about what complementary football is, I think the first reaction or first response is, you know, it's when everyone is playing well, right? right? I mean, yeah. it's like you get a three and out, yeah. you know, and then, yeah, right, you return a punt, you know, 10 yards, and then the offense goes down and scores. But complementary football is more figuring out how each of the three units can work together to help each other. Right. And that's that's part of, you know, we'll meet as coordinators tonight and talk about, you know, does Jacksonville State have an extraordinary advantage in one of the three realms that we need to pay attention to as a group of, of yep. three? Or do we have an extraordinary advantage, you know, that we want to accentuate and use by using all three? And so, and then we just, you know, we don't create scenarios, but we have scenarios that we practice where guys realize, hey, we're not going for it on fourth and three right now. We're going to pooch punt this. Mm-hmm. We're going to keep it out of the end zone. Yep. And then we're going to try to get a three-play takeaway with our defense. We're going to be, you know, so we can get that ball back. Instead of fourth and three in that same spot, maybe it'll be first and ten. You asked about the defense and special teams, yep. you know, and then the offense, all three working together um, is, is uh, you know, what you have to do to, to play at a high level and to win games. This week opponent is Jacksonville State, a new FBS club. They've been a traditional FCS power for a few years and have won a national title. A few years ago, they knocked off Florida State. But Rich Rodriguez, their head coach, formerly at Michigan, how do you see what their transition's been like so far? Well, the one key word that you used was power. They're they're really good. And again, you're not talking to somebody who has his nose in the air or, you know, has, you know, been at the highest level his whole life. I mean, I, FCS, FBS, Power Five, all of those things, it's there's good football players and good football teams and good football coaches. And the title or the conference or whatever has nothing to do with that. And this is a really good football team and program. So, um, this is going to be a, a huge challenge going down there. I mean, they play really fast. They've got a lot of talented people. They have two quarterbacks who are really, really good. They've got three running backs that have had explosive plays. They got a tight end who's, you know, the Mackey Award watch list, yeah. you know, and then defensively, it's really difficult because they play, they don't play in a, a traditional defense. Um, you know, they base out of an odd front, but it's the three high safety. And so it's not something that, you know, we see every day or work against. And um, it's been uh, super effective for them. So this will be um, a very, very tough task. It'll be the first regular season trip for EMU football to the state of Alabama. You've been there twice in the postseason. But how do you maybe take some notes or things from previous trips south that this team has made? You think back to winning at Coastal Carolina in a, a, a humid, hot environment Last year at Louisiana was was you had the weather delay. Do you take moments from those on how to build for this trip? Yeah, no, I, I those are probably better examples than you know the bowl games. Yeah, uh, just time of year, right? And uh, you know both coastal was I think maybe our second game of the year that year. Uh, I think first game. Of the first year. game yeah. was it, and then Louisiana um, was the second game yeah. last year. And it's going from the north, you know, to the south, southeast with the, um, you know, with the weather and whatnot. And uh, I asked JB, I was like, you know, is 82 degrees in Alabama the same as 82 degrees here? And he's like, absolutely not. You no. know, it, it's, uh, it's going to be hot. And, um, but yeah, so we do have some experience with that. 
um, you know, it, it's also week four. And uh, so we're, we're into a pretty good routine. And, and now we just, you know, um, know that it's going to be in a, you know, at four o'clock in the afternoon, it's going to be hot. It'll be a packed crowd there. It is homecoming for them. And I know your team has to stay a ways away because they'll be trying to cram them in there in Jacksonville. Coach, we appreciate your time. Best of luck this week. 5 o'clock Eastern, 4 o'clock Central time. It'll be on ESPN Plus and 89.1 WEMU. Until next week, Coach, thanks as always. All right, go Eagles. There's only one podcast in Washtenaw County that takes you inside the athletic department every single week. The Eastern Insider Podcast. Your home for all things Eastern all the time. This has been another edition of the Blue Cross Blue Shield Eastern Insider Podcast, powered by Learfield. Tune in every Monday for new episodes all year long. And don't forget to visit emueagles.com slash podcasts, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or your home smart device for all of our episodes on demand.